Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. guys. So I think I should move to the right because everybody's on this side, but then I'd be abandoning Red and Liam and Hugh, so I'll just stay in the center. But uh, good morning and good to see everyone this morning. As Hugh said, I'm picking up in John chapter 14 this morning and starting off in verse uh, 22, 23 through 31 to the end of the chapter. The verses will be up on the screen, but if you want to look and follow along on your phone and look it up, read along or, or your Bibles the old school way, the Bible, you can uh, go look up the verses. Oh, thank you. So John chapter 14 and the following two chapters, so 15 and 16 as well, uh, are like a farewell discourse from Jesus to his disciples. He uses these three chapters um, just to tell them basically the the final things that he's going to say while he's still with them. And it just struck me so much this week that Jesus was with them. He was walking with them. He was among them. I actually, when I was reading it, I got so emotional because I was like, what would that have been like? Jesus was right with them. He was teaching them. He was um, showing them the way. And then he was about to leave. He was about to leave. And the disciples didn't fully understand. He tried to tell them. He tried to explain that he was heading out. I'm not heading out. He was actually going to leave and go be with the Father in heaven. Uh, But they didn't fully grasp it, and they didn't fully believe what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus is about to leave them in um, the world on their own. And because of that, he speaks a lot of the world in these chapters and the darkness of the world that he's going to leave them in. He knows that they're going to need courage, and they're going to need confidence, and they're going to need help because they have a message that they're gonna have to go forth and proclaim. After Jesus ascends into heaven, they're gonna go forth with the message of the gospel and they're gonna face persecution and face all kinds of troubles and opposition from both the Roman Empire and the Jewish leaders and then of course the spiritual forces of darkness that are behind all the evil in the world. So he's telling them that he's gonna be leaving them with his presence. As I know, it's been coming through in the weeks that we've been on these chapters. Um, God's going to leave them, but he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to send my gift of my presence to be with you and to help you and to remind you of what I have done. They're about to be left in a world that's ruled by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire um, believed that their Caesar was God, was Lord himself or son of God. So this is a cult kind of empire um, that would impose their rule by military force and taking over all the other lands and the other empires around them with brutality and military force and make everyone worship Caesar as God himself or Lord is the, the, the term. And then also they're gonna face the Jewish leaders who uh, many of the Jewish leaders did not followed Jesus and didn't believe that Jesus was in fact the one true God of Israel. 
It's interesting when you look back in the Old Testament when um, the Israelites were exiled and the, the temple was destroyed and they no longer had that sense of God's presence with them and leading them. And they actually didn't have that feeling of God's presence. So they longed. It says that they wept by the Jordan, the Israelites wept for the, the temple and for their kind of their old place where the holiness of God dwelt and the presence of God dwelt and they could go. Um, they wept and longed for that. And Jesus came, but as that, but not in the way they thought. And he was the one they had waited for. And many didn't believe. So then the, the disciples were going to be left in a world facing these, op these different oppositions and these different groups. So they're going to need courage. They're going to need help. They're going to need help as they spread the message of Jesus and as they face the persecution and many face death because of their message and their testimony. So in these three chapters, Jesus is leaving them with his final words. He's trying to impart to them what's going to happen. He's trying to tell them what he's leaving them with. He's trying to encourage them and he's telling them he's going to go and be with the Father so that they can have comfort of where he actually is going when he ascends into heaven after his resurrection. And we see many, actually several spectacular promises in these chapters from Jesus as well that we're going to get into. But as I was reading again, I just felt so overwhelmed by how tender and how emotional this must have been for Jesus. And I could only liken it on a small scale to being a mom. Um, I know it's a much smaller scale, but just how you feel as parents when you know one day you're going to be sending your kids off into the world and they don't know and they're not aware of the dangers and the things that they're going to face. But you know there's many dangers and many things they're going to face. And just wanting them to be prepared, wanting to impart everything you can with the time that you have with them. But just how tender and emotional this time would have been for Jesus. Jesus uses the phrase the Father or my Father over 20 times in chapter 14, which is more than any other chapter in the Bible. He wants them to know he's one with the Father. He's with the Father. He's going to be with the Father when he leaves them, just to give them comfort and encourage them. So I'm going to read the verses. They'll be up on the screen. Picking up in, I think, around verse 22 or 23. If anyone loves me, Jesus replied, they will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who doesn't love me won't keep my word, and the word which you hear isn't mine. It comes from the Father who sent me. I've said all this to you while I'm here with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the one the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything. He will bring back to your mind everything I've said to you. I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you my own peace. It's quite different from what the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad because I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than me. And now I've told you before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I haven't got much more to say to you. The ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing to do with me, but all this is happening so that the world may know that I love the Father and that I'm doing what the Father has told me to do. I know um, Hugh touched on it last week and the, the weeks before last week, just but the first thing we see here is that obedience to God is the true test of love for God and a follower of Jesus. 
not knowledge or talk, but actually putting into practice the things that God says. And Jesus states that again and again in these chapters, that loving him is the true uh, reflection of someone who loves and follows Jesus, or obedience to him, sorry, obedience. God doesn't give us commands because he wants to kill our joy, right? He doesn't give us commands because he wants to ruin our fun or because he's controlling or wants to squash our freedom. He wants to give us commands and a way to live because he knows what's best for us, because he loves us. And all the things he tells us to do are for our good and they work out for our good when we follow him. So that's why he gives us commands and ways to live. How many people claim that they know God but don't follow him or his ways and end up making a mess of their lives? And God can redeem the messes that we make but God's way is always best and his commands are for a reason. It's because he loves us so much and he wants the very best for us. This of course doesn't mean that keeping Jesus' commands is what saves us. We know we're saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus and by the faithfulness of Jesus in keeping and fulfilling the old covenant promise that God made to Abraham. That's where our salvation lies. But for the purpose of understanding the text, um, Jesus is stressing to live how they should live, to live as followers of Jesus and how that's gonna be so different to the world because he's gonna talk about the world even more in the next chapters, but just contrasting a true follower of Jesus to the world. And as we know, the world, so much of the world is not gonna love Jesus and keep his commands. And Jesus is making this distinction because they're about to be left alone in the world. But then we see this beautiful promise for those who love Jesus if anyone loves me, you can go to the next slide after the verses, Vane. There you go, thanks. If anyone loves me, Jesus replied, they will keep my word. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus and the Father will come and make their home with us. That's the promise for those who love Jesus. Think of what a beautiful promise that is. The promise of nearness to God the promise of closeness to the Father. And those who live a holier life, because following God's commands means we're living a holier life, right? So those who live a, a holier life do just naturally have more joy and peace and happiness in our lives because we're living a holier life, because that's um, as opposed to living a life in rebellion or opposition to God or just not following God's ways, independence from God. And then there's this promise for those who are living a holy life, that God is gonna be close. He's gonna make his home with us. Just experiencing the nearness of God. There's more of heaven on earth to experience for followers of Jesus. Love, um, Jesus has patterns for every way that we should live, for our marriage, for parenting, patterns for how the church should be, patterns for our time. He speaks on our time and how we should use our time, our finances, being generous, he speaks into all these things, forgiving how we deal with conflict, forgiving others, not holding on, being generous, serving. Those things just make for a happier life. But even more, we get the promise of nearness to Jesus. Even though he's leaving his followers, he's not leaving them alone. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, the one the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything. He will bring back to your mind everything I've said to you. 
So as I mentioned earlier, Jesus does talk a lot about the world in the three chapters, and he seems to send mixed messages because John makes these grand statements of God's love for the world and how he sent his only son into the world um, for our sake. But then in these next few chapters, he's talking a lot about the wickedness and the evil of the world that he's leaving them in. Um, of course, it's both things. Jesus, God does love the world. He loves everything he created. He created creation and people to be good and called it good. He made a good creation, but the world is distorted because of sin and wickedness. Sin and evil have distorted the world, the good creation that God created. So he loves the world, he loves people, but he rejects the evil and wickedness in it. Can you imagine from Jesus' perspective? I did this this week, I sat and I thought about, actually thought about a lot of things, but this was a, I took some time to just think about Jesus' perspective. Can you imagine creating everything, creating everything, humans, creating animals, creating creation, and saying that it was good and intending it for good, creating humans to be image bearers of yourself, creating humans who actually reflect God in our actions and behaviors and things like that, and then creating um, humans to love you. That's why, that was what he did. But humankind continued all through the Old Testament, New Testament, and up to this day, turn away from God, turn away from Jesus, reject him, find other gods to worship, choose immorality, and callousness to God. I can't imagine how that would feel. And then when the long-awaited Savior came back, the one they had waited and cried out for, they still rejected him, killed him in the most humiliating death imaginable. But he keeps reaching out. God keeps initiating with mankind. That's our God. Sorry, I promised I wouldn't cry through the whole message. <laughs> he promises them that the Holy Spirit will come and remind them of what he has taught them, remind them of everything he's saying. And this also is a reminder to us too. Sorry. Just as God didn't leave the disciples alone, we aren't alone. We aren't alone in this world. And I wanted to sugarcoat this or make it sound not too heavy or anything like that, but honestly, when we look around the world we're in now, today, there's a lot of heavy, dark, sad things. And we're not alone. We are not alone. God left us in the same way with the Holy Spirit to remind us, to lead us, to guide us, to help us. So even though the world is loved and claimed by the Father, so much of it is still under the rule of darkness. We only need to look, turn on the news, or look what's happening in Ukraine, and just the sadness and heartbreak around us. And we see a world that is very much under the power and influence of dark spiritual forces. To live as followers of Jesus as if the, we're not that different from the world, or there's not that big of a divide, is in complete denial of the horrors and the sad things that we see. But we can take comfort. We can take comfort because we have the Holy Spirit. 
we have the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus dwelling in us, helping us, reminding us, leading us, helping us know the way, to lead us when the way is long and dark. And the Bible says we only know in part and we only see in part. So there's so many things that we don't understand. And there will always be so many things we don't understand. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God. And he'll lead us and guide us. And he's faithful. We sang about his faithfulness this morning. He is faithful. This verse says the Holy Spirit is our rememberer when we forget. I don't know if rememberer is a word, but I liked that. So he reminds us of God's faithfulness. He reminds us of God's promises. He reminds us of things we quickly forget, of God's truth, of God's ways, of God's goodness. When we get discouraged, he reminds us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to spend time with him. He reminds us that Jesus has a plan and will bring everything wrong in the world to right one day. And that gives me great courage. He reminds us that he's trustworthy that he hasn't abandoned us, and he never will. The Apostle Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit as the one who makes or identifies us, or marks, sorry, marks or identifies us as children of God. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. It's the Holy Spirit who marks us as sons and daughters, that identifies us as a son and a daughter and an heir of Jesus. And we need reminding of that too. Now we're set free and we're to live as those who are set free and not live as the world. One of the main sins that the Bible talks about is idolatry. And we maybe don't make golden calves. Maybe some people do. <laughs> I don't. But uh, worship of self, worship of money, worship of sex, worship of all kinds of things, just pleasure, we do still, that is one of the, the biggest temptations of mankind, is to just worship anything other than Jesus. And also, again, I talked about um, just immorality and general corruption of God's good creation. So now we're filled with the Spirit we're identified as sons and daughters, so we don't live like the world anymore. We live um, a holier life. And how do we do that? We live by keeping in step with the Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit living and working in us and through us that we can live a holier life, that we can follow Jesus' commands, that we can be more like him and reflect him to the world. It's only through the Holy Spirit and living in step with the Spirit and by the Spirit. That's how we overcome sin. We don't overcome sin by trying really hard, you know? I mean, I've tried that, it just doesn't work. But we live by letting the Spirit live through us and dying to our own self and letting the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and help us. It's only when you recognize the strong distinction between us and the world that we can receive this next uh, spectacular promise from Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. We all know that verse, but we're still always troubled and afraid. <laughs> you know? God says, peace I'm giving you. My peace. His peace. He's leaving them with the Holy Spirit and with the gift of peace. It's like he's saying, I'm leaving you in a dark world, but don't be troubled. Don't be afraid by the things that you see around you. Trust in me. Have my peace. It's not a peace the world can give. We know all the world's attempts at a peace, or at having peace, are just, you know, it's a nice thought, but I just don't, I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. Those who hold on to Jesus and who don't live a compromised life but truly love him will have the gift of peace. What a claim to God's dignity. Who else can claim that? Who else can say, Anthony, I'm giving you my peace? I don't have any authority to say that. It's such a claim to God's dignity and who he is, his divinity, that he can say, I am God and I'm giving you my peace. It's interesting you didn't give money, ease, or prosperity. The peace that Jesus gives is his to give because he bought it with his blood. He purchased it on the cross. It's his and his alone to give. And it's eternal. It lasts forever and no one can take it away. And it's for everyone who puts their trust in him. Rich or poor, doesn't matter. It's everyone because the Bible says he gives freely and abundantly above anything we could ask or imagine. He's so giving, he's so generous. Because he's the great peace giver, he can emphatically tell his people, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The way to this peace, however, is through the sharp conflict that is about to come where Jesus takes on the spiritual forces of darkness on the cross. He's about to inflict a huge wound on darkness and the rulers of the world, the spiritual dark rulers of the world, when he goes to the cross and raises from the dead and defeats death. Now the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. The ruler or the prince of the world, of course, is both the Roman Empire and the Roman soldiers that are coming to take Jesus away but also the dark spiritual forces in the world, behind evil in the world. And we know Jesus took them on on the cross and he defeated them. Jesus did all of that so the world could know that he loves the Father. A love which is of course proven by Jesus doing the will of the Father and in the same way, we are now to live our lives in a way that shows our love to Jesus to the world. I'm nearly finished. I just was struck this week how applicable this passage is for us right now, finding ourselves in the world that we find ourselves in today. Um, some of us have many things that are hard and difficult, even in our own, not just in the world, but in our own spheres or families or people that we know and love around us. There's, there, there's some sad, heavy stuff. So I want to just tell us this morning, let, let's hear the voice of the Father this morning. 
Let's let God say over us, do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. You're not alone. I haven't left you alone. He's faithful. He's a faithful God. Maybe some have even strayed away from God because of hard battles that we face. Discouragement and disillusionment can set in. But God hasn't abandoned us. And he promises to draw near to us when we draw near to him. He promises his closeness and his nearness. So I just want to, in closing, just maybe take a minute. If you guys want to just close your eyes and... Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Just close your eyes and I'll pray over us this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray you just come this morning. Just thank you for this truth, Father, that's in your scripture. Forgive us when sometimes we forget the things that we have, Lord. But your Holy Spirit is our reminder. I pray you would remind us this morning. Remind us of your truth, God. Remind us of your faithfulness as you did through the songs, as you did through the prayer time this morning, just remind us of your faithfulness. Speak over your people this morning that you have not left us alone. We receive your peace, God. We receive your peace, Father, as your followers, Lord, who are different than the world. We receive your peace, God. We give you our troubles. We lay them at your feet this morning, God. We lay our troubles and our worries, the things we don't understand, God. We just lay them at your feet. And we take up your peace, God. Come and be close to people this morning, Lord. I pray even now, Lord, for some just to come and be near to them again, Lord. Just for a tangible experience of your nearness and your closeness, Lord. Through whatever we go through, God, just we want to stay close and experience and feel your closeness, Lord. Fill us up this morning, God. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.